Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the privilege to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the power to approach unto your throne, the authority, righteousness. Thank you, Lord, because it's not our own doing, but your power, your grace walking towards us. Thank you for the spirit of faith you place in our hearts. Yes, so that we are drawn to you and we are able to obey your instructions. Thank you for the promise you have given us that if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. Thank you, Lord, because today, again, we know you have heard us. We give you all the praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. All right, um, please just give me, a, give me a few moments to just share something with us briefly. I will try not to keep us for too long. Let me just um, continue something I began to speak about last time on the issue of prayer-like activities and the aids to prayer. We have already established the fact that anytime we are praying, what we are doing is that we are speaking to God. We are talking to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. We are making requests of him. But there are other things that we must do all right, important spiritual exercises, some of them which he commanded. And a very good example is that when, and please follow this, uh, what I'm going to explain. Because sometimes, okay, when I was emphasizing the issue of prayer, I found that some people end up doing other things they don't pray. But again, the same manner, sometimes people pray, they don't do the other things. I hope you get my point. And then there's no balance. Now, a good balance is the one we find when Moses got to the edge of the Red Sea, in which... He had been interacting with God for a long time, but one thing he overlooked was that God gave him something, all right, so that when he got to the edge of the Red Sea, he turned again to God, and the Lord now said to him, why are you still turning to me? I thought we had already concluded this matter. And Moses said, what exactly are you talking about? He said, what you have to do now, that is what the situation demands now, is for you to take action. The power is now in your hands. You divide the Red Sea. I have already granted you deliverance. I have granted deliverance to the people of Israel. It is now left to you to open up this Red Sea. And he told Moses specifically, you divide the Red Sea. Do you remember that? Uh, you, you don't believe that? Uh, okay. Am I making a mistake? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's just read it quickly. Because some people don't um, seem convinced. Sometimes you are preaching. People looking at the issue. Did it happen like that? Exodus chapter 14. Yeah, verse 16. All right. Yeah. So when Moses came to God, all right, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? You, tell the sons of Israel to go forward. He says, for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and do what? And do what? Divide it. He didn't say, I will divide it. He said, now the power is in your hands. Why are you still crying out to me? He said to Moses. As for you, lift up your rod. That's Exodus chapter 14, verse 16 now. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. Now let me just stop reading here because what I just want is that verse 16. That God said to Moses simply, we have passed the point in which you will be asking me to do something. 
Now I want you to do something. Now, and that's what we're talking about. I began the last time talking about taking authority. Last time I explained the fact that we have to take authority over who? Demons. Yes. And I want to remind you, I told us a story that Ken Hagen told. And the Lord told him something. And of course, when he said it, it, when he heard it from the Lord, it shocked him. And when many people will hear it, it will shock them also. Now, it doesn't shock me so much. You know why? I heard it so early. I didn't know anything. That was among the first things we learned. Okay? But as an older person, I thought about it. I said, yes, that was actually shocking. For the Lord to tell you that if you didn't do anything about that, he could not have. All right? Yeah, it should be shocking. But then, again, when we understand, we know that God respects order. He respects authority. I hope I get my point. In fact, that's the whole reason why there's prayer in the first place. You know, we began, anytime we're talking about prayer, I always explain that. That the foundation of prayer is the fact that he said, the heavens are the heavens of the Lord. But the earth he has what? The word is given. Given. The earth he has given. And anytime God gives you something, it is now within your power. So you decide what you will do with it. I hope you're getting my point. And that's one thing people often overlook when they are blaming God for things. Again, my usual digression, we'll go aside and learn some things. Many people claim they don't believe in God. Why? Because where was God when this happened? Where was God when this other one happened? Why did God not do anything when this one was happening? All right? And they get angry. So for them, it's a a sign that either there is no God or some of three things. Either there's no God, one, or two, if there is God, he's not as powerful as you people claim he is. And number three, if he's as powerful as you claim he is, that he's there, he has power, then he's not as good as you claim he, he is. Unfortunately, for those who don't realize and they understand it, anybody talking like that is thoroughly mistaken. All right? They don't understand who God is. All right? Just by the way. Okay? Sometimes God has warned and warned and warned, and then they are suffering the consequences of their neglect of his warning, and they are saying, where was God? And God said, hey, I'm not Voltron. You know what they call Voltron? Yeah, defender of the universe. I just show up anywhere and make sure nothing ever goes wrong. No. God says, I have given you authority, and anything that happens on this earth, I've explained it several times before, is subject to the authority of man. But then how you wield your authority is another issue. For example, men, men can walk, do things that displease God, and they ignite judgment. He, they are responsible. He is not responsible. I hope you're getting my point. He is not responsible. He is not responsible. That's why they put signs somewhere. Danger. You go there, open it. They say, don't come here if you are not an authorized personnel. You open this uh, fuse box. That is, they've wrote it clearly. Not for unauthorized personnel. You are not authorized. They say, what is it? What is it? Then you open the fuse box. Of course, you're not wearing any rubber things down on your feet. And your hands, you're not wearing anything. Just let me just check what is wrong. They wrote clearly. Not, no entry for unauthorized personnel. And the next thing is, where was God? God said, what do you want me to do? I wrote the instruction clearly. That's the problem a lot of times. God gives us instructions. We disobey them. 
And we're asking, where was God when I was suffering like this? That's one problem with mankind. Okay? So, you hear things like, some people say, how can God let children die? Now, just by the way. Alright? Can I sit on that for a moment? After having read my scriptures, I found out that the responsibility for the children he gave to the older people. So, do you know the truth? God will hold many of us responsible for what happened to the children. Yeah, he will. He will. See, children don't just turn out right. They are defaultly, they defaultly turn out bad. That is, if you leave a child, he goes crazy. You know it's in the Bible like that. Why? Foolishness is where? There, that is, they are born absolutely foolish. That's how children are. They are foolish. Now, God gave the adults, the parents, not only parents, now the adults around, the responsibility to shape them. You no, know, first, eject the foolishness, which you cannot do with talk alone. So he said, all right, I'm going to give you a weapon. What is that weapon? It's called Mr. Do Good. That's what one of my friends called it. Mr. Do Good. All right? So you hang it where the children can see it. Hey, that's what some parents need to do. Just put it somewhere. Go and have your bath. <laughs> you look in that direction. The boy, <laughs> he races to the bathroom. Now, so it's the responsibility of parents. Now, you see, as we go on, spiritually also they have responsibilities. They decide what comes into that home and what doesn't. I hope you're getting my point. Let's not ever forget. People, that's where they make the mistake. They don't know that God delegates authority a lot. Like you see here, Moses, if Moses had stood there and said, Lord, deliver us. Oh, thou deliverer, deliver us. You can't do anything. Deliver us. You know, there will be no deliverance until he takes that road. There will be no deliverance until he stretches that road over that sea. There will be no deliverance. Cry from now till tomorrow. That's the way it works. So when the man of God said that, the Lord said to him, I could not have done anything about that demon. When I first heard it, I took his word for it. Years later, I began to reason. Of course, I didn't disbelieve his account. But I began to try to get the, you know, the precepts, the principle, the structure behind it. Why would it be like that? And the understanding I came to is that that demon was within his own personal sphere. It was not on the street. It was not hanging somewhere between heaven and earth. It was hanging within his personal sphere. Now, you must understand, spiritual things are, they are, they are different from physical things. Alright? Some people say that they went out there, they didn't see God so there's no God. Now, you know that's very foolish. You know that's very foolish. Let's not even go by it again. Just in case somebody who will be studying foolish science. All right? You know, you know, there are people who just they read a little bit of science. They want to raise shoulder for you. Honestly, they just assume Christians are ignorant. That's one of the reasons why I like what God made me to be. I read plenty of things. I listen to everything. Anything you're discussing, I'll go and poke my nose inside and learn it. Then when you want to talk, you realize that me and you, we know the same thing. But I'm telling you that what you know is nothing compared to the word of God. I know it too. And really, if you see people who really understand spiritual things, they make these people who try to behave like they know, they make them look really foolish. Now, among the things I'm trying to say, you tell that they couldn't find God there. It is not possible. Anybody who says it has not, doesn't know anything. Because you have not traveled far enough into the areas where God could possibly be if he were to reside physically somewhere. Did you, did you get what I said? For example, Voyager 2. 
and Voyager 1. They were released in the 70s. They've been traveling forever since they finally crossed, left our solar system. Eh? Maybe like a few years ago. Traveling for over 40 years. The astronaut that just went out and came. How will he see? Do you get my point? You didn't go far enough. And our solar system is a tiny, tiny fragment of our galaxy. But let's even leave that. The truth is that these things are in, they are in realms. So it's not about traveling great physical distances. As long as you are traveling a physical distance, it's still a physical distance, you are still within this realm. I hope you're getting my point. Travel for 100 million, billion, trillion years and cover that number in kilometers is still within what? The physical realm. But in an instant, which is in the Bible like that, it said said we shall be changed. That is, you leave one realm and switch to another realm. You can never cross that by longevity of your travel. You have to move from one level to another. That is why it is possible for a demonic spirit to be physically close to you. I hope you're getting my point. But actually, he's very far. Let me, let me use what the money says, a spirit. That's why the Lord could be talking to somebody like that prophet, and then a spirit jumps in between them. But these things have been played out for us to be able to relate with them. God allows it to happen like that. So we say, the Lord is over here. I'm listening to him. In reality, the Lord didn't leave the heavens. Do you get my point? He's not in your bedroom. And he's in your bedroom. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. So that demon, I can assure you, was within his own sphere. And that was why God said, there's nothing I could have done. Why? The authority to control that one is with you. And please, that's one thing we must never forget. And make sure we watch out for it and know and learn, continually learn, how to exercise authority in the areas that we are supposed to. Many demons afflicting us is with God just watching. Like, he will come to your house, you will talk we're not going to do anything about it. And there are times that, listen, times happen that the, real, the thing that's keeping us bound is that we're not tired of bondage. Because the day you are tired, you will know what to do. Yes. I don't have time to go into that in details. There are times God just says, you are not tired. The day you are tired, you will know that I've given you enough power in your hands I've given you enough authority to take care of. I answered your prayer long ago, but really, you're not tired. You can manage. Really. That's, see, when we are praying sometimes, the prayer we, sh- we need to pray is for God to open our eyes. There are times God will tell you that, see, you know the problem, you tolerate this thing. You're like, no, but I've been praying. He said, no, I know, I know you've been praying about it, but the truth is that you tolerate it. The day you say no, to stop. Let me give one funny illustration. Just a simple one. You know what they call in law wahala, in law trouble. You no know in law in law. <laughs> Father in law, mother in law. In law, you know what they call in law trouble. Many people have it. I have never had it in my life. Do you know I do? There are times people will be talking to me and I say, I'm sorry, I can't relate with your problem. I say, I'm sorry, I can't relate with it. I <laughs> I sympathize with the problem. But I just can't relate. People have talked to my wife before about their in-law issues. And my wife is looking like, how does that happen? So your mother-in-law is giving you people problems. They say, yes, how? How? Like, how did she manage? She's a witch. Where did she fly through? Your window doesn't have net. 
Now, where I'm going with that is this. Why is it that God is God's goodness to give him the glory? You know why I've never had in-law trouble? And my wife has never had it. We have never had it. I believe that I have good in-laws. Amen? Yeah, I do, I do. God bless me with fantastic in-laws. Fantastic in-laws. Good people. Amen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my in-laws also believe that their in-laws are good people. Why wouldn't they be, look like good when they have never given you trouble? But you know what I found out? The real reason? That early in life, I said it will never happen. That's all. That's what God gave me as understanding. He said it will never happen. So I will never carry my matter, my wife's matter, to my parents or my siblings. Why? My mom, my dad is late now, my mom and my siblings, they don't think my wife has ever done anything bad. Meanwhile, I know the wickedness in her soul. <laughs> That's a joke. And vice versa. My father-in-law thinks I'm wonderful. My, my, uh, my wife's siblings think I'm a good man. My mother-in-law in her days felt that, oh, Banky, Banky is a good person. Why? Meanwhile, my wife has, she has carried gone before. Let me kill this guy. <laughs> Except that we don't have a gun. <laughs> but because she doesn't carry her matter to them. The time I have done the worst thing that she's pain her the most, she called my friend in America. Kind of phone. Say, this is your this is your friend. He's not the man of God at all. <laughs> Are you getting my point? I had a relative that time. She just woke up in the morning, carry phone, and call her mother. He said he wants to kill me. He said he wants to kill me. Talking about her husband. Who was begging for him without trouble? It's you that carried the phone. You know, these small, small boys that refuse to grow up. Who gave them wife, self? Every lady, they have called their father. I don't know what Angela is up to these days. It's your father you're telling. Your head needs resetting. You know what they call factory reset? Yes. We'll put two electrodes there. <laughs> Shock you. Take you back to factory reset. Yeah, we should. That is why you have in-law troubles. You like it. You know why you let, you know, you know the truth? I first, you know why they let it happen? The things they can't say. What the man wants to tell his wife, he will let his mother say it. That is it now. It's the truth. Some people say that their, their mother called their wife and was talking on the phone. Yeah. The only time my mother, my mother-in-law ever called me to get angry and shout, you can guess. She said she want my wife seriously. She won't shout for me. It's her daughter. She will call me and rick. Just tell your wife. If I wanted, she told me, Banky, it's because of you I didn't slap her. He said, Oh, because we are not we are now both married, Abby. <laughs> we are now both mothers. I was say, Mommy, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> He said, now you are the local. But she has never called me to rig for me. Never. And my mother, oh no, she's not, she does not, doesn't have that nature. None of my slaves will ever do that. In fact, the fear of me alone, nobody would write. So if, if it was possible to want to rig for my wife, you will call me and rig for me. Because if you call my wife directly and rig, you won't call her again. 
I will take her phone, block your number by myself. So next time, redirect the rake. Go to the proper channel. You rake for me, I rake for her. Okay, then? Yes, and that's the way it works. If you don't want in-law trouble, you won't have it. There's no in-law on earth that can give trouble when the, spouse, the spouses don't agree. If any of my folks decide to give my wife trouble, I will instruct her, don't answer them again. Simple. The worst you do is call me and say, your wife is not picking my call. I say, yes, I said she should, she should not. Hey, you said so. I said, mommy, yes, you know, you, you give her a headache. Each time you finish talking to her, I have to be pouring cold water on her head. I don't know. Why can't people do things like this? They say it's not easy. Is it hard? Did you hear that? They say you're cowards. He said liverless, liverlessness. Okay, some people need liver transplant. I don't know. You see, I know you all know your parents, you respect parents. But one of you don't do, just keep away. There's a lady I talked, when she finished talking to me one day, talk about her father. I said, stop talking, stop talking to him. I said, block his number. I authorized you on that God. Yes, I wasn't joking. I said, block his number. I said, block it. Make sure he can't call you. If he calls you on that number, block that number. I didn't say this, but I want to add it to it. And if you find out, they say, oh, yeah, you blocked my number. I say, my pastor said I should. Let him come and call me, and I'll tell him the kind of human being that he is. And he's lucky that all you are doing is blocking his number. Because left to me, let me not say more than that. I mean, I can do it to you. I don't, I don't have commandment to honor you. You're not my father. You're not my mother. So on behalf of this child of God, I will tell you what she can tell you. What I want to say, sometimes it's what you permit to. Is what you permit. I just want to give us an illustration. There are things in life. Do you know some people like sickness? He, they like it. They like it. It's surprising, but see, they do. You know why? I'll tell you why. One, attention. Everybody will be telling me pele. That pele is like medicine to their soul. It's like money. Have you called me to tell me pele? Didn't hear that I was sick. So they want that pele, then no responsibility. You know, you, you go to, you know, you, you sit at home, thank you. You, go, you don't do anything. So little by little, you're, so it, once you sneeze twice, you're happy. <laughs> One of our sisters, I don't know whether if she, okay, anyway, she told the story, and for me it was so instrumental. You know, it's good to always hear things well. Her first pregnancy, her first child, she suffered. You know, they call suffer. So at the time, you know, people gain weight in pregnancy. All right? Plus her baby, plus all the amniotic fluid, and the big uterus, the womb that's big now, and herself, she was weighing less than she was before she married, and before she got pregnant. That's how much weight she lost. Why? Vomiting. Hyperemesis gravidarum. Big English to say she's vomiting because she's pregnant. She vomited and vomited, almost vomited out the intestine. If you cook any food in the house, eh? as you start cooking, she starts vomiting. If the neighbor is cooking, she smells the neighbor's food, she starts vomiting. She could not eat anything, so she was just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Then years later, I heard her talk about it. 
I knew this one happened. I heard the story a number of times. Then one day she said what really happened. I said, I looked at her and said, you know what happened? I've, you know, I've said, it. Don't, don't let this flesh, this flesh, you know this flesh, touch your body. Say this flesh, behave yourself. You know, she felt like he, you know, how do I describe it? She wanted to be spoiled. I'm, you know, I'm your wife now. I'm a young wife. I'm a new wife. My husband is supposed to be spoiling me. My husband is supposed to get up at 12 midnight and go and look for chicken for me if I want to eat chicken. That kind of nonsense thing. That some people used to do. <laughs> it's like he's not the one. <laughs> you know, young wife just believe that the men should just be, you know, just, just, just turn world upside down. You're the first to marry. Let me not start. You know what? You know what this sister did? She was pregnant. So as soon as she found that she was pregnant, hey, she just found that she was pregnant. She oh well, I don't give a leg God win. So one day like that, she wanted to be spoiled. She just, she, she, she threw up. Now, people throw up once in a while. Young boys who are not even pregnant, I cannot be, they throw up. Old men who are not pregnant, I cannot be. Sometimes it's something that doesn't agree with your stomach. So maybe that's what happened to her. So she threw up. She just went home and laid down and waited for her husband to come back. This one came in, honey, what's the problem? I've been vomiting since morning. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So God said, eh, you want to vomit? Go ahead. That's how, I, that's how I started. I've been joking about it, but everything I've told you is literally what happened. She said it herself. She just, she just wanted to be, she wanted to, you know, this spoiling thing. And then spoiled me small now. Just lay down there. Honey, I've been vomiting since morning. God said, eh, you've been vomiting since morning. Yeah, no, vomit. That was it, though. From that second month of pregnancy till she delivered, it did not stop. Or at least towards the third trimester, it didn't stop. God said, no, no problem. I'll take care of this baby, but you, you won't try that nonsense again. Next pregnancy, she called the demon of vomit. Say, demon of vomiting, a message, whatever you call your name. In Jesus' name, not in this house. She didn't throw up one time. She just got ready. Say, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. What I did last time, I won't do it again. See, don't use paperless to spoil this world. You get my point? Yes, uh-huh. So my husband should spoil me small. He now start to misbehaving. It's not good. She, what should she have done? Ah, my husband, I don't know. I don't know what I ate. And in Jesus' name, like, like, this will not be my portion. You understand what I'm saying? I, okay, I threw up the morning, but I believe it's fine. Thank you, Father. It's fine. And the man joined hands with her. They agree upon it. That would have been the end. You know, the other day, I, I thought about it. My friend in America and I, we joked. I said, some couples have problems. And you are wondering, what kind of problems do they have? My wife doesn't like what I'm about to say, but it's the truth. She has refused it for a long time, but it's true. One day she will believe me. I said, you do have problems. This is what my friend and I said. said, 
You see husband and wife? You know, that me and children, they are quarreling. So he asked them, what is the problem? He slap you? No. She bite you? No. Mama calls, call you, calls you for phone? No. And Papa call you, calls you for phone? No. Okay, they came to report that he's chasing church girls? No. She doesn't give you food to eat? No. She doesn't give you other things to eat? No. Then you keep on asking, what is the problem? Finally, said that last time he traveled, he didn't call me for two days. Excuse me? Okay. Then why are you angry? I don't know. She fried paper plantain and it burnt. Eh? And you're like, and you think you have problems. Say, now, go and say, Reverend Father. Confess your sins. Do penance. Because if you don't, when problems will come, my friend and I started laughing. He says, it's as if, it's as if when we have never seen problems, we have to like, that's why I say my wife doesn't agree with it. I say, just like me, say, I no go get problem. <laughs> that means if I must have problem now. Other women are having problems. I don't have. My wife can't even beat my husband cannot even beat somebody. So I can yeah. You people think I'm joking. One day a man actually called this was in the US. He called the radio station. They were doing a talk, you know, a, a calling show. He said, please help us tell our sisters that you want us to prove that we are men. We have proven it. Can we stop? That we don't like this fight in the house. Because it's as if the Black American women just like fight. That things that are not supposed, those things you see them do on television, they do it in real life. Things that are not supposed to be quarrel. He said, No, 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 you ain't sitting on that chair. You ain't sitting on that chair. You heard me first time, Bill. You heard me the first time, Bill. <laughs> and you're looking like, What is all of this? I'm not sitting on that chair. So Bill looks and sits on the chair. And she goes there physically and drags a man off the chair. Please, oh, it's called, what's that word now? Abomination. Don't do it. No, you problem with men. They don't like the fact that you made them get up from the chair. So they will sit down there. Even if tsunami comes, they're not getting up. Water will not cut. Seriously, that's just the way they are. They have a strong heart given to them by God. Say, so no, a man that will get, just get up so that there will be no trouble. He's... he's He's effeminate. <laughs> He's transgender. You know what I'm telling you? <laughs> so I'm just begging you. Don't be looking for trouble when there's no trouble. Don't tell your husband, get up from that chair now. Ha. The guy will look at you and look at his son. Say, are you talking to me or talking to that boy? The Lord is good. Why did I say this? Sometimes, you know why we have problems? We like them. But we don't know. We don't know. We think we like peace, but deep inside our hearts, we really like trouble. A lot of, we tolerate a lot of nonsense. There's one thing Mike Mudok said years ago. I heard him. He said, never complain about what you permit. He said, don't complain about what you permit. He said, you see somebody says, he said, ah, 
This man kept me. This guy has called me. They kept me on the phone for one hour. So he says, shut up or hang up. If you're not going to hang up, then shut up. Don't complain. Why they keep you on the phone for one hour? You answer the phone and stayed for one hour. If you are tired of the call, you could have found a way to drop it. I never f- forgot that thing. He said, don't complain about what you permit. And I found that you know, it's a very common problem in our country. People complain a lot. But given the opportunity, the power to stop the thing they are complaining about, they won't stop it. They won't. I said an expense like that last week. I was so angry. My secretary was asking that you are so angry with me. Why won't I be angry with you? We say something is bad. No, I won't tell you what. So I said, okay, so I'm going to sign on this paper that this should be discontinued. He said, no, no, please, sir, don't do that. I said, boy, I thought you said it's bad. He said, yes, but some people, they won't like it. Ah, are you the one that will sign on it or me? He said, I'm just feeling sorry for them. Ah, but you said it is bad. He said, I know. I'm just thinking. Thinking what? That to make them feel bad. Ah. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Say it's a bad thing. So we should discontinue a bad thing. Yes. So who's going to discontinue it? Now I have the power to discontinue. You are begging me. Say, please, I don't discontinue it. Just leave it. See, you know, what's the name of this, our guy? Ben Murray Bruce. When Ben Bruce went into government, he came out and said, I have concluded that we are broke on purpose. He said, Nigeria is broke on purpose. That Nigeria decided that it wants to be broke, so it's broke. That there's no logical reason on earth why we should be broke. He said, maybe because I'm a business person. He said, there's no reason on earth why our airports don't work very, shouldn't work very well. He'll give you figures and calculate everything. He said, why is this airport not world standard? He said, I made up my mind, we are broke on purpose. What am I trying to say? A lot of things we go through in life is because we permit them. And the prayer you are going to pray, as I'm preaching, be praying that prayer. God, anything that I'm permitting, that you have given me the power to stop, please show me and show me how to exercise my power. Because sometimes you don't know how to. And that's why people like us exist, preachers of the word, teachers, that as God opens their eyes, they will show, look at what I found in scriptures. This is how you are supposed to exercise this power. For example, Moses did not know that you have trouble, go and lift the rod and divide the Red Sea. He was going to return to God again and be praying. Because there are things that God has given you. This authority is in your hands. But you have not been exercising it. You have not been exercising it. That's why things have been going wrong. Now, these are general principles. Let's not apply to these are our spiritual exercises. Last time I said demons, you know the way they behave? They pretend like they didn't hear the first time. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. If God says, this man is free, the demon afflicting him does not go away. He will stay there until the man or somebody he has given authority over his life says, get out. The demons don't just go like that. They like to stay. The only time they leave without being told is when they become extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, you can make them uncomfortable. Oh, yes. Now, let me just emphasize that. You can't make them uncomfortable. In fact, most, most forms of deliverance or most deliverances, can I use that expression, you will experience in life, you will not do it consciously. It's just as your life is growing up, as your heart is being developed, as your spirit is getting stronger, evil spirits are getting uncomfortable and they start living. Okay? But until that point happens, even though God has declared you free, demons don't go. They stay there. 
That's why you find somebody who's demon afflicted, gives his life to Christ. Demons don't go away. The church will now come and cast out the demons. They will not leave. And this time around, they will not be able to return. Why? That's just the way they behave. It's the reason why Jesus had to be anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then go around doing good. He had to do that. So he went around doing good, healing all who were what? Oppressed of the devil because God was with him. No, a while ago, God gave me understanding in that area, what they call oppression. I found out the only reason why that thing was called oppression was because those people had already been forgiven. Yes. Time will not let me go into that in details. The only reason why Peter could say to Cornelius that you know of Jesus Christ, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and that he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. The word oppression was because Peter understood that the people already were forgiven, which means that they did not, the devil did not have any right in their lives. That was why it was called oppression. Satan likes to oppress people. Satan likes to oppress people. Once he comes into people's lives, until he's kicked out by force, he likes to stay there. And the moment you are forgiven, till the time you are delivered, that period is called oppression. That captivity is no longer lawful. You are not supposed to be oppressed. You are not supposed to be under bondage. You are not supposed to be a captive anymore. Why? You have given your life to Christ. You have been forgiven. And that's why, as a believer, do you get my point? You have to learn. See, anything, enforcing your rights is one thing that you must learn as a Christian. Satan likes to break laws, and it plays on just one thing. Two things, let me say. One, ignorance. And two, complacency. Like I said, a lot of people have troubles. They just, if the, the day they say no, the trouble will go away. They just say no. I'm tired. <laughs> There's one testimony my wife gave once. You know, Satan, you know, Satan likes to cause trouble. You know, offenses must come. How can I? It's normal. It's normal. In fact, let me just tell you one tip. Just tell yourself, this offense, I won't take it. You know, like, the offense comes, I will not be offended. Do you get my point? Small tip for relationships. Now, what I want to tell you, I know my wife is looking like pastor, so you know all these things. (laughs) You know, sometimes, like, if you know these things, practice it fully. My life will be sweet. (laughs) So, please... (laughs) In case my wife has reported me to you, don't think I'm a hypocrite, I'm a preacher. <laughs> so what do you mean? God said to Jeremiah, anything I tell you to say, say it. Some say, go and practice it first. <laughs> anything I tell you to say, do what? Say it. say it. So I must say my own, okay? That when you have heard it, I also will hear it. Then two of us will go home and practice it. Do you get my point? Yes. If you want to wait for me to practice before I can tell you, I won't do you good service, oh. Because maybe you are a better student than me. Maybe it will take me 10 years now to finally get the point fully. Let me say it today. You may fully enter into the you know, reality of it in one year. Let me be suffering by my own for the next 10 years. Don't worry about it. Are you getting my point? Mm-hmm. No, that's how you live with preachers. Me, I know they, it is a one preacher. No, they are fake preachers. But if a preacher is genuine, I know he's genuine, and he now shows me the feeling in his life, it doesn't bother me. 
I carried the message. I said, God, forgive him. I go away. In fact, I do something to ministers. I know when they started preaching rubbish. So I checked, maybe assuming I knew the man for 20 years. I started preaching rubbish in the last 10 years. I go look for the message of the first 10 years. And then switch him off. That thing of electronic issues, I'll be replaying it again and again. I don't take offense. Even if he enters my house and slaps my face. I just rub the slap. We can even fight it out, assuming we are mates. Then when he's gone, I put the message and be listening to it. Is that not the man that slapped you just now? It's his flesh that slapped me. His spirit is talking. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. No, <laughs> I told you about my wife, right? She used to do something those days. Maybe she does something and I'm so angry. If this happened about twice, I remember. And I said, this, this woman, eh, please, don't come to my Bible study today. <laughs> so, she didn't answer me. Good enough, we didn't come in the same car. So, she allowed me to drive to go to Bible to go and preach. Then she drove, waited. When they say, praise the Lord, she entered. Because well, you have said, praise the Lord now. You cannot do anything again. He <laughs> sat at the back and said, I came to listen to Pastor Banky, not my wicked husband. <laughs> yeah, she actually did that. At least, I can remember like twice. She said, I came to listen to Pastor Banky. I don't, as for the, that black wicked guy in the house, I don't know him. But the man of God, let me come and listen and be blessed. Okay? Now, back to the thing I wanted to tell you. Remember, I wanted to tell you something. Relationships, you know, offenses will come. I've told you one tip. You can't refuse to take offense. The days of offense is annoying. You know, as a younger man, I used to get angry a lot when drivers are driving rubbish. I could, if given the opportunity, I would come out and fight a bus driver. Why could they drive like that? Then one day I had the revelation. Insight was given to me. Understanding from around. Not from above now. I just looked around. And I realized all these my years of getting angry, they did not improve. I hope I get my point. I remember nobody was improving. So I realized I'm the one suffering for nothing. So now, the kind of patience I used to drive sometimes. I'm just going, just see one bus, just come, I just press my brake. Why is, I'm just, why is driving like that? Why is driving like that? But I'm not moving, no. Don't jam my motor. Because I can't come and be arguing with you. Who came first? Who did not come first? You jammed me first. I jammed you second. No, 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 no. I'll just be, i look like this. Why is he driving like he's drunk? But I will wait. I will not fight with anybody. And then, by the way, in case you're not a good driver, let me just warn you now. When you see a big vehicle, you count the tires. It's using six, eight, 12, 14 tires. I don't care how expensive your car is. It has only four tires. Have you noticed? That your S-class Mercedes Benz. How many tires you get? Four. That old lorry. Hmm? He has like eight tires. You know what it means? When he's coming, he's the boss. You don't have the right of way. You have get out of the way. <laughs> With patience, possess your soul. I hope you get my point. If they are carrying container, break. Let the container go far. If they are carrying fuel, stop going. Or fighting with people who are bigger than you. There's no need. I hope I'm clear. Okay, I just want to drop something for you. So, back to my tip on relationships. So, you don't have to take offense. That's the point I'm making. That's why I brought that one up. Don't need to take offense. Just overlook all this nonsense. So, if it's your husband that's doing it, overlook. Women will be complaining that your husband throws socks around the house. Why won't he throw socks around the house? Is he a child? He's not a child. He's a man. Leave it like that. <laughs> Men, carry your socks. Off. I hope you get my point. But, women, don't fight over it. What did I say? 
is not, uh, not necessary. Okay? Now, back to the issue of offense. Offenses will come. You know what makes offenses worse? Who can tell me what? Just one thing. No, I, I, no assuming it has come, you've taken small of it. You know what makes it worse? No. No, 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 no. Okay. Somebody said it. No, 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 no. Okay. Demons. Demons. I'm telling you. Demons. This one is called dwelling on it. You are not dwelling on it. Demons are repeating it to you. I'm not joking. You know, when I'm joking, I'll let you. Truth. Demons will sit down there and help you understand it. They will sit down there and repeat it five times. And remind you of how she did this one last week. And how she, he did that one the other time. Demons will sit down there and they will keep talking and talking and talking and explaining to you. He said, do you understand? He said, yes. Yeah. said, let me tell you some more. I have not finished. Now, I wanted to talk about my wife, right? So, one day, that demon now came. The Holy Spirit just tapped and said, oh, girl, that's the demon. It's an evil spirit. I don't know what I did. I never do anything. I'm a very righteous man. So, she usually misunderstands what I did. So, <laughs> whatever it is, anyway. She said she, she by herself. In fact, I've heard her use it to preach. To teach people. So she sat down and the thing started again. Hey, it's always been like this. Then suddenly she woke up, you know, came to herself and said, No. My husband loves me. He's a good man. He loves the Lord. She kept confessing strong, positive things about me. Told the devil, I beg, go away. Leave my husband for me. The devil just look like say, Abba, they can't even play with you small. <laughs> now the devil knows. I'm telling you, no, this life, you have to learn not to tolerate some things. No, it's important. If there's anything you are tolerating, you're not supposed to. Ask the Lord to show you how you will reject it. A lot of the problems of Christians is because they tolerate nonsense. Seriously. A lot of the problems is what we tolerate. If you will not tolerate the devil, that's why he said resist the devil. He will do what? Flee. You just tell him not here. So the devil not here. He said, I'm not in this house. You won't come here. We don't have space for you. He said, resist the devil. He will flee from you. Once you take your ground against him, you know, take your stance against him, he will run. Like I said last time, you bind and say, in the name of Jesus, I don't want to. In fact, one man of God says something. Ah, this is very important. Okay, very, See. There are things I, I can't preach from the pulpit for certain reasons. Uh, people may misunderstand me. Start taking actions based on things that they don't fully understand how I came to that realization. But I'll give an illustration. And I told that Kinehagin bless us tremendously, and I recommend his books all the time. Please read them. They will bless you. Listen to his messages. He will inspire faith in you. I think he's the one. Yeah, two stories about demons that he told. Once he went to the Mormon temple, you know, the, what's the name of the state, the, the Mormon state in America? Utah, all right? Uh, this man is a Mormon. That Republican, Mitt Romney. Yeah, Romney is a Mormon. All right, someone say, what's a Mormon? 
members of the a sect called the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. All right? That's the name of their church, all right? Mormons. So they are known for very beautiful architecture. They, they, look, they like beautiful things. If I know a man in this city who joined them so he could inspect their temple somewhere, I think, in South Africa, the architecture is phenomenal. And if you check around their temples, just check it. Simple but well-designed. They are known for it, the moment. They do beautiful architecture. So Higgins said he went to go and look at, you know, he went to do sightseeing. By the way, it's not everything you're supposed to be sightseeing as a Christian. It's not every sight you should be seeing. Some sights are not your own. They're not consigning you. Like we say in Nigeria. None of your business. I read the story of one missionary who went somewhere in Asia. And they were doing their oro. You know what they call oro? They are masquerade. What do they call masquerade in Enugu? Hmm? Mong. Uh-huh. They were doing their mong, whatever. So he was very, so he came out as a man. He was in a hotel room. He just looked at, oh, yeah, beautiful. You know, Oyimbo people are strange things. Once they sit strange, they feel like, oh, this is lovely. They look like beautiful mask, very colorful. All right. So the guy came out. <laughs> he carried his camera to start taking pictures. Check him. Check him. There was one guy, one of the masquerade chiefs, sitting there, you know, sitting peacefully. Then suddenly he saw that white man, their eyes locked. He took his sword, rushed down there, raised it, and decided to strike. You know, this guy was under an influence. Last moment, somebody just yanked that guy away. Most likely an angel. Just pulled him out. The sword missed him. He ran back to his hotel. What was God telling him? When you see him, mom, have you already called it? <laughs> it's not your own. You shouldn't admire it. Be go, just go your own. Don't be admiring evil. Ken Higgins said he carried his wife and his, I think his son. They went to the Mormon temple to go and look at architecture. The guide was taking them through one place after another. Then suddenly he heard a commotion. He turned around and one little boy was having a fit. And so they told him, no, that it's normal, it's normal. Sometimes they shouldn't worry, just put the child down. Then he turned and looked at the boy. It was his son. He said instantly he knew what had happened. He just he jumped on the boy like a tiger. Grabbed him. In the name of Jesus. Out of him. I command you. Come out of him. Come out of him. The boy calmed down. Eyes open. Told his wife. Yeah, come, let's go. We're in the devil's territory. Told his wife, come, let's go. We're in the devil's territory. And they left. I told you there's only two stories he told us, right? I told you about one missionary. This one he just said now. There's another one he said, he said they went for. Now, listen to me. Don't tolerate nonsense. Please, don't tolerate some things. Hey. He said he went for a funeral or something. There was a man who had chronic ulcer. Now, I may be mixing up the story. It may not be him, please. But, and I've read so many stories, right? But this particular preacher told this story, right? I think it's Canadian, but in case he's not, let me not attach his name to it. He went for a funeral of a man who died of, a, who died of se- severe Stomach ulcers. He had bad ulcers, and eventually the man died. I don't know whether he had the cancer in the stomach, but the man died. So they were just doing the funeral, so he was there. Suddenly he felt as if somebody took a big gun and shot him in the stomach. Nobody shot him, but he didn't hit him hard. Ah, he touched it. What's going on? 
he suddenly his stomach began to ache. They remember he came for a funeral of a man who died from severe stomach ailment. He said he knew what the devil wanted to do. He just put down his stomach and said, the devil, not here. The thing left him. The devil, not here. There was a girl I read the story of. She, she was giving her testimony. She was delivering for, I think, Carlton Coleman's meetings. They called her. Her father smoked for so long that one day they had a heart attack, which is one of the side effects of cigarette smoking. Then as she was going, no, she rushed to the hospital to go and see her father. Then she had to go and get something from the house. So she jumped to the father's car, drove the father's car, and was going. Then she turned and looked. You know this side pocket on the door? And there was a pack of cigarettes. This girl had never smoked in her life. She only desired the cigarette to calm her soul down. Now, that desire is abnormal for somebody who had never smoked. She reached out for the pack, took one cigarette, lit it, dragged it, and is soothing her soul, calmed her down. And from that day, she became a chain smoker. You want to know what happened? The demon left her father, jumped into her. If you know anything about cigarette smoking, it's, that's abnormal. She dragged it the first time. It pleased her very well. From that day, she was addicted. From that day, she was addicted. See, I remember once I was in school, I was ill. I was ill for about a week. I was very, very sick. So, of course, people visit you and all that. I was, I was really ill. So, one of our sisters, she told me that, oh, Banky, sorry. Say, hey. He said, exactly this time last year, you also eat like this. Ah. And then we plotted it the third time in a row. That period of the year, I'll be seriously sick, I'll be down. That was the last time it happened. The day she pointed it out to me is the last day it happened. The following year, they wait for that spirit. I was always waiting. I'm waiting, like, wait. Oh, yeah. Of course, the scripture, we will chop the scripture. I'm not lying that for anybody. Lie, lie. That was the day I said, ah, it's enough. So I remember very well. I can tell you the name of the person just pointed out to me. Say, hey, this same period, give me the month, what that month we're in. Exactly this time last year you were sick like this. Yeah. I said, I beg, I beg, I beg, I beg. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for the revelation. This is the last one. I took it to God in prayer. I did everything I needed to do. And usually at that point in time, God said, yeah, take authority over the situation. So I said, the devil, no, I no agree. I see, I no agree. There's one man of God I had in America. <laughs> you know this gay, uh, transgender? Came home one day. His son was t- playing with dolls. You know, the boy was playing with doll, doll baby. You know what they call doll baby? His mates are playing with trucks and race cars and gone. Firing water at this one carried door. <laughs> look, look the boy. Now, in case you don't know, those things are evil spirits. Yeah, yeah. They are looking for where to stay. So they were testing the man. He looked at the boy. He collected the door in Jesus' name. Give me that. That is, I come. You know, he went at the situation with aggression because he knew the problem in the society. Say, this we want to enter my house. No, you will not enter this house. You will not enter this house. He went after that spirit with aggression. Hey, you play with what? Caterpillar. 
You play with digger. You want a gun, I get you a gun. Shoot somebody. But you are not playing with a door. Of course, a toy gun. <laughs> no, he said no. Let me tell you something. Eh? God has given us a lot of authority. Many times we are not exercising them. We tolerate more things than we should. We do. We tolerate something that he said don't tolerate. Because you have to pray that God will enlighten, you know, enlighten your heart, open your eyes, give you understanding, so that things that are within your power to reject, you reject them. I was telling the story of uh, Kenneth Hagin and the stomach issue. Listen, that's how you'll be fighting. Look, fight sickness like that. Say, no, I don't want you. They say, your heart is doing ding, ding, ding. You know what many of us do? We run to go and see a doctor. And prophetically, he confirms. Before you run, go there. First, run to a closet. Pray to God. Remind him of his promises concerning health. Ask him to confirm that word in your life. Simple prayer. Five minutes. Then begin to declare that word over your whole body. You never even talk that hard to. Declare it over your whole body. Take an hour. Don't talk in a hurry. Do it every day for like two, three days. They want to now put the hand on the chest. And say, heart, let me just warn you. You will serve me. You will do well. All the days of my life, you will be healthy. I reject heart disease. I reject high blood pressure. I reject weak eyes. You start speaking. Now, fight. I hope you understand. Nobody is quarreling. I hope you get my point. You are fighting. You are quarreling with somebody. Say, Claude. Say, I say, I don't agree. Like I said, there are things I don't want to see from when I'm preaching. And some people are just going around all the time and say, okay, come, let me check you, check up. I'm not checking. Don't check me up. Leave me. Your check up is prophetic. Leave me. Don't, give me, don't play, press anything on my mind. I will fight. I'm telling you today, please fight. I've given you an order now. First, enter into this closet. Go to God. We've talked about that. Supplicate. Wash. Different forms of prayer, number one. Prayers of worship, which is made up of what? Praise, thanksgiving, and consecration. Thank you. We know about, you know, petition. We make our request known unto him. You understand? All of these things are the requests are made based on the promise or the promises that he has given. Now, those promises that he gave will not say to him simply. That's why he said it. You read the promises out to him. He calls you one of those who remind the Lord. You read the promises out to him, and you say to him simply, confirm this in my life in the name of Jesus. I have come to say, Father, confirm your word in my life. Actually, that's a form of taking authority. Because what you are doing is that you are taking your authority and giving it to him. Say this word that you have said, confirm it in my life. With long life, I will satisfy you. You said it, confirm it in my life. No inhabitant of Zion will say, I'm sick, confirm it in my life. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is dwelling in your mortal body. Confirm it in my life in the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, he took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes I have been healed. Lord, confirm this in my life. You said, I am the Lord that he led thee. Confirm that in my life, Lord, I ask of you in the name of Jesus. Concerning diseases that I, I have symptoms concerning, and the ones I have no symptoms yet, the ones that doctors say catch early, Lord, you, you can see more than they can see. The best scopes in the world cannot see things you are not, you see without examining them. Father God, that's how great you are. I ask of your promises to forbid all these things in my life right now in the name of Jesus. You have done with the Lord. And I take that prophetic word. Use your, you know, initially you're, you're quoting scriptures for God. 
Now you code it for your body. See, let me just tell you something you did not know before. In case you have forgotten. Himself took my infirmities and my diseases. By his stripes I have been healed. See, for that reason, taking authority, I reject sickness. You know, one day when we were young, you know, you know what they call Apollo? was flying everywhere. That time, we used to go to this particular church at home, one fellowship. And the man of God used to preach powerfully. So he taught everyone how to rebuke sickness and all of that. So Apollo was flying everywhere. My mother wanted to not call everybody. I said, I better let us rebuke Apollo in this house so that it won't enter this house. I'll be honest with you, I didn't have that kind of faith. But my mother said we should pray. So what will I do now? We prayed. You know that Apollo went left, right, center. I didn't enter the house. I remember very well. I wonder, say, let us rebuke it. So we rebuked it and said, Apollo, no, no, please, don't come here. No, no, please, we warn you. It, that is, no, these are the things I'm saying. You know, sometimes what we end up doing in life as people, not realizing it, like I said, we start tolerating all kinds of nonsense. We start descri- <laughs> describe the disease for you, how it will go. That this one, you'll be sick for five days, then you start recover. <laughs> I'm just remembering one of my colleagues telling me that. I felt like, do you go to church at all? That's a very devout person. Religious fellow, very devout. So he was like, ah, how are you doing? He said, no, no, he knows how it's going to go. The virus will stay in his body for this week. Then this week, now it will lead to this. Then after that, the cough will stop. Then the chest will become heavy. Then the chest will become light. Then it will break. I'm looking at him like this. <laughs> I knew all the theory he was preaching. I mean, <laughs> we both do this job. I'm like, why are you prophesying like this? Don't you go to church? Just add one small thing. In my case, it would not be like that. Just say it. The day church was saying it. I hope you get my point. You know, they are <laughs> I've seen people die. Maybe something will just happen. You feel that kind of symptom. So Satan, you know, I told you the devil. You know, say, demons, demons. Only evil spirit. When I say that, I say they take start to. <laughs> I always answer. I say those who get well too, now say they take start. Now say wellness they start. So the one that is starting in me is wellness. The one that's starting is wellness. I'm, get, I'm getting well. Leave it. This one, I will live, I will not die. Don't come and scare me. People of God, you know, we can refuse to tolerate a lot of things. We can refuse. There are many problems we have in this that God will tolerate them. Do you know what I found out? Some people like being broke. Not Nigeria, no. I'm talking human beings. Let me say that to you briefly to surprise you. I hate being broke. Now, I'm, I please, I, let me explain what I say. You can refuse and say no. You know, okay, let me explain. How do I say this? You know, some people, once they give them extra money, hmm, they have extra project. You know, what, you know why? They like being broke. They don't understand why they should be fluid with money. They will always put themselves in jeopardy. I've noticed it. Let me just tell you how you will never be broke like that. Say, I must always have money to give. You hear what I say? Just tell yourself, I must what? Always have money to give. You know what I found out? This time when we were young. Do you know when I was in university, I just remembered now, we, you know, we only have a circle of friends. The brokest of all was the richest guy. Yes. He was the richest of our group. We're like maybe like five, six guys that used to hang around together. 
this guy was the one that his father was was a big farmer guy those days. I remember. In fact, the man died about two years after that when we were still in school. This guy was perpetually broke. He did one funny thing one day. I'm going to tell you this just to make you laugh. You know, there's something our parents used to do, very common, at least with our guys. If your father, you want to be in the room when the fathers of other people come, not now that you just wire money. Parents used to come. Because if you are there, when the father, you will get something. You know the way it is. Are you getting my point? Because the man will say, okay, where's my son? Sometimes they can't wait. And because there's no phone those days, I mean, the campus is big. There are thousands of students, all right? Thousands of students. You don't even know where your guy went. And the father just comes to the room, knocks on the door. Hey, please, where's um, John? Ah, John left in the morning. He took his bag and some clothes. He was going to wash up. After that, he'll go to class. Maybe you go to one class, you don't know where he's reading, no. So the man counts money and gives you. Let me give John. Then give him, he says, mother says she give him this and all of that. They, they, they never leave without giving you something. This is, you know, you guys have no experience. All of you now, now, they, they, now money point. Everybody says you send their children money. <laughs> well, it wasn't like that, okay? They literally physically had to send money. Somebody had to give you cash, okay? So one day, this guy came to school. His father came. That is well-to-do father. And he gave my friend money to give this other guy, one of our guys. So, so that's the person his father saw. And I can't remember the exact sum, but let's just use today's terms now. Let's assume he gave the guy, okay, uh, take this um, 19000 I give my son, okay? I said, okay. Okay, you have this 1000 there. So, you know, are you getting my point? So the guy came. He said, your dad was here. He said, I should give you money. The guy opened 19K. So, okay. Uh, your father was very nice. He even gave me 1000 there. So the guy said, all right, can I borrow that 1000 there? This guy borrowed it and said he's not giving him back. That, listen, my father brought 20000 there for me. It's just because he didn't have anything extra to give you. So he took from my money and gave you. <laughs> I'm not joking. The guy collected the money back. I was like, I can remember all their names now. All right? I said, wow. He said, no, that I know my father. That I know that money is for me. But he didn't have any other money to give. So, so he took from my money and gave. So I've collected my money back. I didn't know how to argue with him. Even though what he was saying was, well, he had his reasons, but of course, was senseless. When you go home, go and ask your father for. Anyway, this is my guy. He was the brokest of the of the lot, but his dad was the richest of all our parents. And I think he got more money than other people, but he was always broke. Why was he always broke? I don't know. I think just just in their family. That's why his father didn't have anything extra to give that to our guy. <laughs> he learned from his father. You could never get ten. Look, you know, you're hanging with guys. Hey, I'm telling somebody buy me a Coke. Now, he would never be him. And you always put up his hand. I search him. If you find money on it, take it. There's never money on him. I stayed with another brother at the time. His own was something similar. That one believed that any money they give you must be used to do something capital. No recurrent expenditure in his life. It's the kind of person that if he has 20 naira notes in four, five pieces, he will look at 200 naira notes in five pieces because they, those they were using smaller notes, all right? 20 naira was the biggest we had those days. He will change it to one piece 
so he will not be able to spend it. Say, I don't have change. I'm telling you, I had all kinds of crazy human beings, apart from myself, around me. I know what I'm telling you. So I learned from those people, and God helped me. I said, no, this is not the right way to live. They just like being broke. If you give them 10000 they have a project that requires them to spend 8000 So they always be struggling. They can't buy fuel. They can't buy recharge card. They can't buy this. But, like, oh, but, but look at the amount of things you are doing now. But you never get a dime out of the human being. It's because they like being broke. That's why I'm giving you the, the, the rule is that please, 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 tell yourself I must be able to buy my friends a drink. I should be able to buy somebody food. I mean, if somebody is just walking past, say, come, let's enter this restaurant and eat and pay. What are you doing? Where are you carrying the land and house and everything to? You keep in the stock market. Because if you go with that stock market, I'm warning you, listen to me. Where, where are you watching from? Either from here. But somebody listen to me and I'm warning you. Stop enjoying being, you know, if, there are persons like that too. Project will never end. Once you give them extra money, they want to change something in the church. Always needing money. And God says, look, Banky, I've given this guy a lot of money. But he likes to need money. God helped me very, very early in life. My eye, <laughs> David said, my eye is not hot, nor my heart proud. I don't involve myself in matters too difficult for me. One day somebody said I didn't have a cash to start saving. I said, for how long? He said, you need to buy it now. I said, how will I do that? He and I work in the same office. He did calculation for me. He said, all this money you are giving out, you have to stop. Eh? I said, what did you say? In my mind, you want to kill me and die me in poverty? You want to die me in poverty? I said, no, I don't agree. I said, to all of this to buy a car, do you realize this thing can catch fire? I've seen, have you seen cars born? They born as if they are made of straw. When they finish burning, you now realize, oh, they actually have metal. The metal go don't bend. Bend like this, bend like this. One day my wife and I were going to Lagos. I saw a brand new Land Cruiser on fire. That time, not now. The car was 14 million. Today now that we are talking like 80 million. I said, eh, I told my wife, see 14 million, they burn. The thing was burning. This kind of burning that even fire service can't quench it. You know why? God said, you shall burn. One day somebody told me about one man, house, 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 house. Then he came home, the house was living in, it don't burn. I said, no, now. Hey, come on. I said, no. So, look, we saw they are always broke. Not because God is not giving them money, but because they have made up their mind that no. And one of my friends said, why is he having more children? So that when they say, what are you doing with your money? How, they, I can point to the children and say, give them the money. I'm not saying don't burn more children. Ten children, they are good. I mean, if you can have ten children, the Lord bless you. Say amen, all of you. Amen. Children, say amen. amen. That means say amen. Your wife is saying amen. Damn, you're afraid. Damn, you're afraid. Your wife has more faith than you. So I'm not saying children are good, but don't just have children because I want to have something to spend my money on. There's nothing wrong with giving. The Lord is good. I'm talking about taking authority. People of God, there are times you just say, no, it's enough. I've seen students tell me that, look, but this one sister told me this when I was in school, when I was in Lagos. 
She had an exam. I said, you're not going to take it. She said, no. Well, if you know how it is, she paid for primaries in West African College and National College. So she did the West African exam first, and she passed. And I said, why don't you do the West African National exam? I said, my mind is not in it. I said, you paid. Now just go and do it. Because now for you to get exemption, you have to pay again. She said she will pay. Ah. See, you've paid for this exam, go and take it. She now said, let, let, me, let me explain something to you. Now, listen to this. She said, when I was in school, I used to have a hard time passing my exams. She said, so one day, I prayed and I made up my mind I will never fail again. She said, since that time, I have not failed once. Are you getting where she's going? He said, for that reason, I take every exam seriously. I take it by faith. I'm diligent. I'm dedicated about it. I'm focused on it. And God has been consistently helping me. So this exam, my heart is not in it. I don't want to spoil my testimony. Do you know, I, I, I had to agree with her. I said, yeah, leave it. Oh. Ah, don't kill your faith. Leave it. But that's one thing. She said that one day she told herself, enough is enough. And she said to me, said, since that time, I've not failed one exam. As a lecturer, one of my students came to me one day. She said, she t- he told himself, this boy had failed pathology, I teach pathology. He had failed first time, second time. He was not going to write the exam, I think the third or fourth time. That's when I got to know them. I used to do coaching for people who were having problems. So, so he just told me that he's not going to fail again. That he has looked and decided that the people who are passing, they don't have two heads. Do you know what? Till he left that school, he didn't fail one time. We became friends. As soon as he finished one day exam, once my phone rings and he's the one, I know results just came out and he wants to inform me. Good afternoon, sir. They just released pediatrics results, sir. I just want to let you know I passed. I congratulate him. Good afternoon, sir. Medicine results just came out, sir. I want you to know I passed. Good afternoon, sir. Surgery just released their results. I want, to know that I want you to know I passed. I got this course throughout till he left school. They you know, now became, you know, friends. You come to my office, come and sit down with gist. After I graduated, he come to my office, gist, tell me what's happening in his life. When he was going to marry, he invited me. Unfortunately, he was marrying somewhere far off. I would have loved to attend. So one day, just told himself, what is it? Why is this failure on my portion? The people who are passing, what did they use to make their head titanium? <laughs> yeah, he told me that he just said, no, it's enough. What is his name? Isaac said to Esau. He said, time will come, you become restless. Then you say, Abba, this bondage on my neck is enough. He said, you will become restless. Sometimes believers need to be restless. That's as simple as that they are not just, you wake up and say, this week is the last week. I will say there is no job. Next week, whether you employ me or not, I'm going to work. If you like, don't employ me. I am going to work. Say, Lord, I ban unemployment. You leave your house and start going. I told him many times, God is just looking like, are these guys serious? Why does he leave giants in the land? He wants to know those who are serious about taking the land. He could have cleared out the giants. He just wants to know those who are serious about taking the land. That's why he leaves giants there. He said, hey, come, come, guys, from here. So do I do my leg like this? This way, everything here is your own. So now I say, yeah, let's go. And they look, ah, wait, 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 wait. Is that not a 
Goliath's senior uncle. I can't go inside there. No, 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 we can't go inside. Why? Ah, if God says he wants to give us land, let him remove them first now. If he's living there, then me too, I'm not interested. Anybody that wants to give somebody something should be serious about it. <laughs> and God said, you don't understand. I just wanted to know whether you want the land. If you had wanted, you would have gone in there and said, hey, glass uncle, good morning, sir. I heard that your tenancy expired last week. Park. And then God is going to be there to defend you. And the man will start a fight. And then you will defend yourself and he will die in the process. And then they say war has started. And you will clear out all the giants. And none of you will have died because of those giants. But because really they didn't want it. They were looking for every excuse to go back to Egypt. So there's no food in this place. Slave or no slave, with a chop for Egypt to ah give Egypt one thing, man. Food day. Food day. Wow. Garlic. Oh boy. Cucumbers. If only on, I don't know what was their issue with. I don't know. What was their issue with spices? Every little thing they are heading for Egypt. God said, that's why I kept the giants there. I wanted to know those who really wanted the land. If you don't want it, I give it to somebody else. I feel like I'm saying to somebody today, let's go back to that broke issue, self. Let's not think about money. Let's just think about being productive. Just say, no, I'm tired. Tired of not being productive. I'm tired of not having, you know, somebody to bless. I'm, I'm tired of not having my name tied to something. And you just say, no, it is enough. And then you begin to, you know, prophesy. Using that prophetic word to take authority. Say, poverty in my life in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. Out. Unproductivity, lack of productivity in my life, I rebuke you. You're a student, a young person, say, no, fail. I will not fail. I will not fail. I refuse to fail. I refuse. I refuse. Why can't I understand Others understand it. Why can't I understand? Do you know if you <laughs> there's a way you will get up like that, God will have to support you. He will just, that is sometimes God will just look and say, mm, before this boy disgraces somebody, let's let's help him. If you go and look at the way Caleb and Joshua reacted, Caleb and Joshua will tell you that their defenses have departed from them. We can take the land. If, our God, if the Lord our God is with us, we can. These are men who have never fought giants. But they said, let me go into the promise. I'm not going back to Egypt. You know, sometimes eh, I think about some things. You know, Nigeria, some of us, eh, we can't tolerate nonsense. God, please forgive me what I'm saying. No, I think it's right, but help me to say it. I could to bless your children. What I want to say eh, is not pride. Is love for freedom. Some people tell me, Nigeria is bad, Nigeria is bad, Nigeria is bad. I say, look, but you are exchanging freedom for bondage because of prosperity. Me, I won't do it. I'd rather be getting two square meals, two, two, no, one and a half meals a day in freedom than collect three square meals in bondage. I'm not taking Just my life. Seriously. Sometimes it's many things that people take. I hear some, some people's testimonies of their trip abroad. And they're like, did they swear for you there? 
Like Lag Baja said, not the chief of army staff, the musician. He read one song long ago. He said, Koba Jefakata. Those words on the side like, 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 uh, let me not tell you what he said. One, we just insulted one country. He said, what nonsense is this? He said, I'm a prince. I'm wealthy where I'm coming from. I will greet white man and go, put your nose for sky. He said, for what? What kind of insult? He said, I'm going back home. <laughs> said, I'm going back home. <laughs> the guy said, I beg, I'm going back home. When I see some nonsense people take, I said, is it to enter kingdom of God? Those days, now people go family travel. Those days, people will travel abroad. Wife will be here. Children will be here. Two years later, three years. So I have a friend. He used to say, he lives abroad now. He used to say that, lie, lie. If you want to give me a visa, you give everybody. He used to say that, you know, it's not just flat. He told everybody, like, you are giving me a visa, you are giving everybody. We just used to joke about it and laugh about it. So when they say, ah, please, this course open, can you go? He doesn't even fill forms. He doesn't use to answer anybody. I, you know, I never knew he wanted to go abroad. But one thing he kept on saying was that, ah, oh boy, you can't make me leave my wife in Nigeria. He said that in so much that the day he was going abroad, we drove all of them to the airport at the same time. We had two or three children at that time. Two. They boarded the same flight, landed America the same day. And he said, no, I've told everybody. Now, I hope you get my point. He said, I won't take this from you who are offering. I'm not taking. And finally, when he was going to travel, exactly what he said, God said, what I've heard you say in my hearing, is what I will do to you. Humility is good, amen? amen. But get some kind of humility would they get it and not they understand. One day, a relative of mine was traveling abroad, a woman. My wife knows who I'm talking about. So I went to their house. I was learning to plate her. So I said, why are you learning to plate? They said that when I land abroad, I, some... I just look like this. Plating her is good, amen? I know, but for goodness sake, you are a professional. In Nigeria, you are a professional. You are learning to plate hair. I said, you see, there's one thing I notice, generally speaking. Let me talk about America, especially. Those days, when we used to go to America, the group of people that hardly ever had serious problems, not all of them, but most of them, are doctors. And people would say that it's because America needs doctors. I said, no, it's not. Now, that's the physical reason, but the Bible says that by faith we understand, all right, so that it thinks that we see are not made of them that are visible. I let, let, look at things from a different perspective. I said, no. What actually happened is that the American system created a kind of expectation in the hearts of the young doctors in Nigeria. So they always stepped into it. So that's what plays out that they usually do okay. Because, and you see the way they behave. Before they leave, they are reading USMLE. They've gone to Ghana, they've gone to, Ghana to take exams. They read hard. You see, they have a structured thing in their head that when I get there, I expect to be a doctor. But talk to the average lawyer. They don't need liars in America. Talk to the average engineer. They don't need, yeah, they care about our certificate. So they use that one to shut their brains. So by the time they are planning to go, they are planning for, all they are doing is doing uh, how to uh, plate hair, how to do many jobs, how to do, that's it. And when they get there, you know what happens to them? Exactly as he prophesied. So after for two years after I reached there, he's still he's a security man. If the lawyer too has said, there are lawyers in America, some of them get paid a million dollars a year. Now, just to get an illustration, he will sit down and say, What does it take to practice law in America? So before he leaves Nigeria, he's studying for their bar exams. 
He said, okay, let me convert my degree to the one day. Enroll for a degree. Start a course, you know, online and go and finish it physically. Immediately enroll. No. I give the example of one of my brothers from school. His own is that, oh, this one. Cool guy. Doesn't even like stress before. The day, one day I landed, landed in the U.S., the phone rang. Said, ah, bank, I got your number for some so person. Eh, who is this? Ah, he said, it's me, America. Ah, America, how are you doing? We talk, we laughed. What are you doing now? <laughs> The guy just he said he just picked a job in Thurgood Marshall. Right now he's a term professor there till now. But I noticed one thing about him that time. All these people they do, they sweep gutter. He didn't sweep gutter for anybody. He's from doing a PhD to applying for if went to one you know, pass by exam, from by exam to practicing in one law firm in California. After a while, he said, Oh, bank, bank, I can't work like this, I will die. He said, the way these people work, what kind of thing is this one? He said, No, I I'm looking, going to look for a teaching job. So I applied in the university. Of all the people that applied, they employed two people. He was one of the two. He just moved to Texas that time I came. So he said, ah, please, he went back to California to go and pack that. He'll be back. How long I won't be around? I told, will I be around? I told him. He said, okay, you come and check me up one of those days. And I like his story. But I said, because he, the plan was I'm going somewhere. How would I? I'm a lawyer. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a sweeper. Sometimes you have to just reject some things in life. Say, I know they do. I'm not talking about pride now. Uh, Bible says, don't think of yourself how more highly than you have. But so there's an appropriate level. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer. Don't be saying that you know it's Nigerian law degree and they don't want it. Who told you? That's why I told the story of my friend. He's a professor of law with a Nigerian law degree. That's how he used to start. Of course, he did postgraduate and law that has a PhD. Yes, but that's how he started. We're in school together. You will reject some things. Yeah. You will reject sickness. You will reject poverty. You will reject premature death. They say everybody dies in your family. They say, I reject it. That's what it means to reject. You just determine from, with the word of God. I say, I'm hungry. Say, you go sick. I know they're sick. I won't die early. Yes. This is a spiritual. By the time you say that, God says, no, this one has refused. So Satan, out. Now you look at the devil say, get out from here before I wake up. If I open my eyes and I find you there, I send you to hellfire early. Yeah, they will look at this guy. Is not easy. Yeah. It won't take small. They just hang around your neighbor. Say, if you come near my house, as I'm talking about taking authority. There's a scripture I wanted to read. Let me just read it and then we leave it there. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right. Okay. Did we read anyone earlier? Okay, Exodus. Okay, the one I wanted us to start with, let me just read it and then maybe we finish it next time. Let's see. I want to just explain something. Um, what I had hoped to talk about, I was just trying to introduce to us, but I took so long, is this area of taking authority. One of the things that God has given us is the power to bless. What did I call it? The power to bless. The power to bless. The power to bless. And please, if you're a parent, go and listen to my series, How to Bless Your Children. It's very important. I will not be able to spend all the, the, the amount of time required to explain that in detail. I just want to say something briefly. Okay, let's quickly read Genesis chapter 27. Okay, I'll read quite a bit of it and then we'll close. Maybe we'll start from here again next time. It's a story we know. Of course, these are some of the well-known Bible stories. Isaac wanted to bequeath a blessing to 
his firstborn, so he asked Esau to go and bring him game so that he would eat. Then, of course, Jacob pretended to be Esau, and not, but we're not going to talk of that. What we want is that we want to see exactly what happened to what exactly Isaac did in transferring that blessing. Let's start from verse 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, Please come close and kiss me, my son. And he came close and kissed him. You know how he got here, of course. Uh-huh. And when he smelled the smell of his garment, he blessed him. Please notice the word. He blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. They now began to command take authority and impose a blessing upon him. Say, now may God give you of the dew of heaven. Which one be me inside this one? <laughs> I'm telling you what Isaac said to Jacob. Uh, but please, let me finish reading my text first. Then I'll pray for you after, okay? He now said, may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth, and an abundance of grain and new wine. He said to him, May people serve you, and nations bow down to you. He said to him, Be masters of your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now you know what happened? Jacob left, and then Esau came shortly after. And then he found out, after Isaac found out what had happened, that he had blessed the person he did not intend, but which God actually intended. All right, so Isaac now, Esau now began to speak with his brother, with his father, that, look, won't you, he said, bless me, bless me even me also, oh, my father, that's in verse 34. And he said, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing, and all of that. But then, when he continued to beg, Esau lifted his voice and wept in verse 38. He said, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Then notice this. When he was saying, please bless me, look at what he said. In verse 35, he says, your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, that is Esau, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. As if it was by force. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Don't worry, they went together. All right? And he said, have you not reserved the blessing for me? The father said, that's that's actually what I wanted to read. But Isaac replied to him, he replied to Esau, behold, what did he say? I have made him your master. That's what I wanted to read. I made him. I hope you're getting my point. I, I made him. Your master. That's what I wanted to read. He said, and all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with grain and new wine, I have sustained him. That's what I wanted to read. That Isaac had authority over his descendants, over his sons. And God gave him the power to decide who will be master, who will be the servant. I hope you're getting my point here. 
See, God delegates authority. You know, say, you, <laughs> do you know why what um, Jacob did prospered? Why he succeeded? Because God said, succeed in this your scheming. You know, that's how it works. Without God uttering that word, the scheming would not have succeeded. But why did God say to him, succeed in the scheming? He said, because, because the way your father is going, he will not recognize the seal of the birthright. Even though I told him from the beginning, the older will serve the younger. If I allow him to open his mouth and make Esau the head, Esau will be the head. If I allow him to open his mouth and say Esau will be the master, Esau will be the master. That's why God said, you have bought the best right. The way you behave is no good, but this is your scheming. Succeed in it. We will judge it later. There are things that God has given us power to command. Parents, go and read, listen to my series, How to Bless Your Children. Listen to this. If you don't do it, you have defaultly placed a curse upon them. You have told the world to speak over their lives. Anything God has placed under your power. You see, these are spiritual exercises you must do. For time's sake, I'll leave it here. We'll develop it again next time. If he gives you a ministry, speak over it. Command the blessing. I hope you get my point. If he gives you a household, speak. Speak over it. Command a blessing. You know, nothing works by itself. You no, know, God made the, uh, made them, what they call the vegetation, and then the animals and everything. You know what he said to them? Be fruitful and multiply. That's why they are fruitful. He made Adam and Eve. He looked at them and said, be fruitful and multiply. And this one thing he has done, he has not taken authority and shared it out. So he now said to parents, speak over your children. He said to the husband, speak over your household. Anything I put in charge of, speak over it. Tell the devil where he can go, where he can go. Satan is very smart. Every day, you know what he's doing? Bargaining for our words. Oh, yes. Trying to collect it. Trying to collect it. He goes around with recorder. How far would this country say useless country? Thank you. They measure, they measure, they measure the country. Hey, you, what do you think? And I say, confused nation. Thank you. And they do what God is. One angel has been sent by God. Go and read your Bible. God does that to go and collect all the blessings that his people are placing over the nation. And the angel said, things are rough. And the Lord said, why? He said, for every ounce of blessing I collect, the, the devil collects a ton of curses over the land. But okay, what about all the intercession they have been interceding? And the Lord answers himself, it's good enough to suspend judgment and further decadence. But I have to outweigh these things that's going on. Yes, I have to get enough prophetic words that has blessed the nation. Anything God has given to you, and he said, you know, we, say, we start with what? Prayer. Now, quickly, one place, one place where we lose our authority, one way, that's what I had to say, one method by which we lose our authority, our rights to speak, is through iniquity. That's it. Righteousness is what gives it power. 
Righteousness gives you authority. It allows you to wield your authority. So Satan said, let me undermine these people's righteousness. So he goes around tempting people. And the other thing he does is that he now says, okay, now that I have converted to my side, now speak. So useless country. Bad name. You just keep on, and he keeps piling it. What does he do? What he has piled up, he brings it before the judgment seat of God. That's what he does. He doesn't have power in himself. He packs everything and brings it before the judgment seat of Christ, of the Father. And when the thing weighs so heavily, he has no choice but to confirm that which he has spoken. So as I heard you say in my hearing, so I will do to you. We'll develop it for that next time. Please, everybody remember, anything that God has given you, please, if you're a parent, or you're planning to be soon, go and listen to my series, How to Bless Your Children. It's important. That's why in my household, I've made it, well, it's a habit now. Every morning, everybody come and collect. Come and call. Every day, you must collect. Too. Every day, every, not once in a while, though. Ask them every single day. There's nothing like good money. How are you? No. <laughs> I instruct, including Akinlu, as big as he, this money greeted me good money. I said, Your knee is paining you. I gave him a knock on the head. The brother winced. When he had cold, I said, His knee paining you. Because the rule is that you put a knee down. Yeah, yeah that's how I like it. So if I want wrong with you, there's nothing wrong with me. They've like, no, ask their mother. They know. Uh, see, Victor is smiling. When they, come, they don't come and say, ah, that's a good morning. They get to where they, I am or their mother is. Good morning. They put one knee down. Most times, they put two hands down. Put their head down. I say, good. The Lord give you the deal of heaven. Yeah. yeah. There's rubbish going around the society. Say, God will help you. Yeah. Every day, now they talk. Let the angel have the angels are kind, they are blessing. Show that don't depend them. Carry some more. No, I don't care how big you are. Even if I invest, I come to your campus. If I enter the door of your room, uh, my daughter, my daughter just falls and has a bagam for you. Now put their mother does it. Sometimes you're lying on the bed, they come into the room. You kneel beside the bed, put your hand on your head. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord will help you. I will straighten your path. You will enter into divine destiny. You will not go astray. Have a blessed day. So he blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Let's ask to have it. Prayer basics. These are spiritual things we do. When your children are not there, pray for them. You can pray for them when they are there too. When they are with you. Command. It's a, it's a job he gave to you. It's power, authority. That's what he does. Give the Lord thanks today. So, Lord, I want to thank you for righteousness, for entrusting me with power. That's what I want us to just do. Just say, Lord, I want to thank you for entrusting me with power, for entrusting me with authority. Now, remember I said you should pray a prayer earlier. Say, Lord, wherever I've been tolerating nonsense, Lord, reveal it to me. Sometimes it's small affliction. So you've been tolerating it. It doesn't hurt so bad. It's been like that for the last eight years. <laughs> Because I won't do anything about it because you seem to like it. Say, Lord, whatever I've been tolerating that I'm not supposed to tolerate, that I come to you today, Lord. Open my eyes. Show me how to take my authority. Say, Lord, have mercy on all my disobedience, all my iniquity, all my sin. Say, Lord, have mercy. Because that's where we leak authority from. 
Say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Forgive me of my sins. People of God, that's what sin does. It wipes, you know, it takes away from our authority. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my disobedience. Restore to me the fullness of my authority. Say, thank you because you have, you know, raised me with Christ Jesus. Far above principalities and powers. Say, Lord, restore your authority on my lips, in my mouth. And teach me so that I will know what is right to do in wielding this authority. Give the Lord thanks. We're out of time for today. Let's just give the Lord thanks. But please, when you get home, start walking. Bless your compound. Speak to it. Say, peace upon this home. I declare peace upon this home. As you step into your front door, say, peace upon this home. And you catch your children one by one. Breathe upon them. And say, receive the blessing from above. Say, the dew of heaven will work for you. The rain of abundance will fall upon your path. No evil shall befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling place. You shall be fruitful. You will multiply. You will fill the earth. You will fulfill the destiny of God for your life. Give Lord thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you.